public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill, welcoming you to a new year. We have a special broadcast for you today. CBC host Sheila Rogers interviews American-Canadian children's author Robert Munch, who reflects on his career. Thank you for joining us New Year's Day on Radio Catskill. We are your public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Live from NPR News, I'm Barbara Klein. In Boulder County, Colorado, some residents are returning to the site where their home once stood after Thursday's wind-driven fires left a patchwork of devastation. Snowfall has helped douse embers, but the area is still cordoned off. With the start of 2022, the pace of campaigning for the midterm elections now accelerates. NPR's Don Gagne reports much of the focus will be on Senate races in key states that will likely determine which party controls the chamber. The Senate is currently evenly divided at 50-50, with Democrats in control by virtue of the potential tie-breaking vote that can be cast by Vice President Kamala Harris. So any shift in the balance can change things dramatically, with GOP incumbents retiring in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and North Carolina, Democrats see an opportunity for gains in those places, while Republicans look to defeat vulnerable incumbent Democrats in places like Georgia, New Hampshire, Arizona, and Nevada. The Biden administration's record will certainly be an issue, as will the persistent lie by former President Donald Trump and other Republicans that the 2020 election was stolen, which is a motivating factor for many GOP voters. Don Gagne, NPR News. Money for technology startups reached an all-time high in 2021, but NPR's Bobby Allen reports some analysts say the boom looks like a bubble. More venture capital dollars flowed into startups in 2021 than ever before. According to the firm PitchBook, $628 billion was spent globally on financing startups. That's almost double the previous year. Startups riding the cryptocurrency frenzy saw record investment. More money was poured into crypto-related startups in 2021 than all previous years combined. Some say it is the year crypto went mainstream, with the rise of NFTs and A-list celebrities backing various crypto ideas. Some analysts say the frothy investment into startups could be fueling an unsustainable bubble that could pop, pointing to the record number of unicorns or companies valued at more than a billion dollars. Bobby Allen, NPR News, San Francisco. The funeral service for Archbishop Desmond Tutu was held in Cape Town, South Africa today, where he's revered for his role in ending apartheid and advocating for human rights worldwide. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa delivered the eulogy. His was a life lived honestly and completely. He has left the world a better place. And he has left our country a much better place than we were prior to our democracy. 
we remember him with a smile. Desmond Tutu died Sunday at age 90. This is NPR. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wallenpopik, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. There was a mother who had a very new baby, and she picked it up and rocked it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. That's the celebrated children's author Robert Munch reading the opening lines of Love You Forever. And Love You Forever is about the deep love between parent and child that endures for generations. And readers resonated so strongly with the story, they made it a bestseller the year it was published, back in 1986, and it's remained a bestseller ever since. Robert Munch was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, one of nine kids in a large Catholic family. He studied to be a Jesuit priest, but after spending time at an orphanage, he realized he loved working with kids. So he left the priesthood, got married, and moved to Guelph, Ontario, where he worked at a daycare center. A colleague overheard Robert telling the kids stories and encouraged him to write them, not write them up and get them published, and he took that advice. Robert wrote 10 stories, got rejected a bit, finally managed to get his first story, Mud Puddle, out into the world, and that was more than 40 years ago. Since then, Robert Munch has published almost 100 kids' books, including bestsellers like Mortimer, I Have to Go, Paper Bag Princess, and of course, Love You Forever. And according to his publisher, he's sold more than 80 million books in North America alone. Robert Munch joins me now from his home in Guelph, Ontario, for the first interview he's done in 10 years. Hi, Bob. Hi. Nice to see you. We're Zooming so I can see you. How are you? I'm fine. We heard a little bit of Love You Forever, and the mother in the story cares for her son until the end of her life, and then the son cares for her. And it's about love and loss and growing up and getting older. And you wrote that story in the middle of your life as a dad with adult kids and, and a grandparent yourself. How does that story feel to you now, these days? It still touches me. <laughs> I made that up in my head years before I actually told it. It remains a very special story. Yeah, so so many people and so many generations have, have loved it. Why do you think that is? It's what we all hope happens, us and our kids. And a lot of people are touched by it because that isn't what happened. George moved to New South Wales and is never heard of again. So I, th I think it touches people wherever they're at. Yeah. Whatever stage of life they're in. Yeah. 
I I understand that in recent years you've been you've been dealing with some health issues, Bob. How how has that affected your daily life? Um Well, I have ongoing dementia. <laughs> um I can't drive, I can't ride a bicycle, I can't can't write. So it's been whittling away on who I thought I was. I kind of thought I would like to do this interview as the last hurrah. Mm. Mm. I, I really appreciate your, your being with us and getting the diagnosis. What, what went through your mind when you, when you heard that that's what you were dealing with? Well, I already knew I was dealing with something, and it was a relief to get it in black and white but um oh I don't like it but I mean that's in the cards that you get (laughs) so now if I were God in charge of the world I would make it illegal the ongoing progress of the the disease is a pain I I, I worry about what what I'll be in a year will I be a turnip in a bed in a year (laughs) What what does it mean for you as a storyteller? Are your stories still there, still with you? Um, my stories, strangely enough, are all there. Um, I I don't do shows anymore. I don't do. I don't even do school visits anymore. Sometimes I tell stories to people, just people I've met. So the stories will be the last thing to go. I think. <laughs> I've seen you in in action in schools and with kids, and uh, your energy is just so (laughs) kid-like. It's really amazing. And, uh, I mean, the kids keep up to you, but you keep up to the kids as well. I I, I had a kid at school once that says, Mr. Munch, you're a kid. (laughs) (laughs) No higher praise, I bet. Yeah, no higher praise. <laughs> how how do you think like a kid? Well, I use kids when I make up my stories. I t- have an idea and I take it before an audience of kids and it grows in front of them. And I've learned that I can't make up a good story by myself. I need that audience of kids. And so sometimes it can take a long time to get a story because they'll, Add a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, there's a, a book that you released this year called I Can Fix It, about a little girl and her favorite blankie. It's dedicated to Taylor Perry yes. in Kelowna, B.C. Taylor Perry in Kelowna, B.C. wrote me a letter. It's talked about her terrible big brother who had stained her lovely blanket with this big orange glaw and she couldn't fix it. It was, she was desolate. And I thought, there's a book in here someplace. <laughs> and that's the book. On the, on the title page, there's a little picture of a girl holding the blanket. That's the picture she sent me. And it's a little girl crying because her blanket's got orange glaw on it. <laughs> yes, yes. And my older brother was four years older than me. And I thought of all the times 
he wrecked <laughs> something, absentmindedly wrecked something I did. And I, I think that that was also the, the, the emotional reason I wanted, wanted to do this story. So did a lot of your stories come because kids wrote to you and told them something about their lives? About a third of them. Yeah. And the other two-thirds all came from the, like, Stephanie's ponytail came from Stephanie, the kid in Ontario, and I told stories to their class, and she had this incredible long ponytail. And that's how she got in the book. <laughs> that's such a Bob Munch way to say long. <laughs> 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 it's long. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've got um, a little bit of your longtime editor, Diane Kern, who this is from an interview that she gave uh, a few years ago. And she says that this is why she thinks your books are so popular. So we'll just play that right now. Well, I, I mean, first off, because they're hilarious, but I think what makes them classics is that Bob is such a pro at listening to kids and respecting their experiences without putting any adult filter on them. So, you know, this new generation of Munch fans is like their parents. They're trying to make sense of the world, school, siblings, grown-ups who don't believe you when you tell them, even though it's the truth that there's a moose in the front yard. Um <laughs> So there are these wild, silly stories, but inside there's a kernel of truth and, mm. and a real understanding of kids. That's Diane Kern, who's been your longtime editor, Bob. Do you think she's right that, you know, beyond the humor, the secret is that you understand kids, you listen to them? My stories have no adult morals. They're not to improve children. They're just for kids to like what do you think makes a really good story for kids? Well, the first two sentences have to grab them, and then the, the rest of the story has to grab them just as fast. You wrote a book called I Have to Go about a kid who gets into his car with his parents and then has to pee. What do you think made this a, a good idea for a kid's book? Well, the way I think about it, it was an obvious idea for a kid's book. It's just that most adults, as, as one of my uncles said, what's the point? <laughs> um, but when you're two, it's very important. So I like the line in there. And Andrew said, have to go pee. <laughs> That, that catches kids when I say it. Well, I, I've just come back from a long road trip on the East Coast, and I have to go really resonated for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could be a big hit for adults as well. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you about the paper bag princess, who's the, you know, this really great, strong, plucky princess. What inspired the paper bag princess? Well, I and my wife, Ann, were both running a daycare center in Coos Bay, Oregon. And I told the kids stories for nap time. And they would ask for one new story, and they could ask for one old one. And they kept asking for the, a dragon story. So I had 
a whole bunch of dragon stories, but they were all the prince saved the princess. So Anne came to me once and said, look, here we are in Coos Bay. There's a recession. Half the women in the daycare center have no husbands. There's no princes. <laughs> Change the story. So I did a reverse on the story, and everybody liked it. All, all of a sudden, I had adult people liking the story. And in the end, it says they didn't get married after all. Not Elizabeth went to find her true love elsewhere, blah, 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 blah. Just, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a great ending. Yeah. Your stories, um, you've, you've had kid protagonists coming from all walks of life and different cultural backgrounds. I, I want to ask you about the story, Where is Ga Ning? And it's about a girl named Ga Ning who wanted to go to Kappa's Casing. What inspired this story, Bob? A picture. Ga Ning sent me a picture when she was in uh, kindergarten of a girl in a balloon and then birds and the girl's hair is flailing around and I decided she wanted to leave Hearst <laughs> and wanted to go to campus casing. I wrote her back, uh, I loved your picture, thank you for writing blah 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 and usually kids don't write back but she wrote back in a week and I wrote another letter she wrote back another week I wrote another letter. She went back another week. Thought, this is weird. Um, so after I, after two years of this, on a northern tour, I, I stopped into Hearst. And she was a kid living with her sister in the basement of a Chinese restaurant. And she would write to anybody who would answer. <laughs> she and her sister gave me a wild tour of the town, which ended with their grandmother's grave. And I made a book about that. The weird thing is, we've kept up this back and forth letter writing. The last letter she wrote to me was three days ago. Wow. And how old is Ganing now? She would be 30. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's quite amazing. <laughs> Are your letters short? Now I can't write anymore. And I can't type anymore. I, I can send letters if I print the words. So mine are short. <laughs> Hers are long. But you said the stories are still there. You can talk them, can't you? Yes, I can talk them, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to play a little bit of uh, of you telling Mud Puddle to some kids. But first, I... I just want to ask you, I know you, you've traveled so, so much, and you know this country so, so well. Is there any place that really stands out for you or any group of kids that you met that you'll never forget? Well, strangely enough, it was a group of kids I was telling Mud Puddle to in an Inuit town called Arviat, and a kid sticks up his hand and said, What's a Mud Puddle? <laughs> it was like, oh my god <laughs> Right, there might be a reason for that <laughs> Here's a little bit of Mud Puddle for all of us to listen to Can you tell the 
One day, Jewel Ann's mother gave her clean new clothes. She put on a clean new shirt, buttoned it up the front, clean new pants, buttoned them up the front, and Jewel Ann walked out the back door. La, 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 and sat down underneath an apple tree. Hiding up in the apple tree, there was a mud puddle. It saw Julianne down there. It jumped right on her head. She got completely all over muddy. Even her ear was full of mud. <laughs> I love the reaction of the kids going, <laughs> yeah. No one wants a mud puddle to fall on them. That's that's Bob Munch telling uh, part of the story of mud puddle, and Bob is my guest from his home in Guelph, Ontario. I wonder what inspired that story, Bob. I was working at the University of Guelph, working in the preschool, and it was a very, very, very muddy spring. When the kids walked out the door, they came back in just... They needed a shower. And it struck me that the mud puddle story. And the kids, it was, it was weird because some of the kids heard that and said, and that's why we get muddy when we go outside. Because the kid doesn't go outside to get muddy. It just happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What what was it like for you performing in front of the kids? What what did it give you? Well, it gave me a lot of positive feedback. <laughs> um, performing was mostly stories I knew would work, and it gave me a chance to brush them off. And here they are; they still work. Ta-da! Then at the end, I'd say, "And here's one I've never told it before. <laughs> I don't know what it will do." Uh, when when um. You're talking to kids. I mean, as you say, there's huge positive feedback. How important is it or was it for you to make sure the kids were involved in the telling of your stories when you were with them? It was 100% important that that, that's the way the stories worked. Like when I told Mud Puddle, if the kids didn't join in and make noise, something was wrong. My stories are all constructed so kids do that. And it used to amaze people that I would tell a story and somebody would say, boy, the kids really knew that, that they know they never heard it before. Mm. It was the way the story was constructed that made the kids join in. There's a story I have called Mortimer about a kid who doesn't like to go to bed. And he sings, clang, clang, rattle, bang, bang, going to make my noise all day. When you have 3,000 kids... And they all start crying, clang, clang, rattle, bang, bang. It's, uh, yeah, they're joining in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sure, they sure are. They sure are. Did you grow up hearing a lot of stories when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, my father used to tell stories, his own stories. Um, he, he didn't know that he was showing me my future career. He wanted me to be a lawyer. <laughs> Where did you fit in? You were in a big family. What what number were you? I was number four of nine. So, so you were in the middle. I was in the middle. Yeah. 
And and would you describe it as happy? Your childhood. Happy and unhappy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was unhappy that I wasn't one of the bigger kids, and I and I was terrible at school. Just yeah. Oh, I was a dummy. <laughs> that seems hard to believe. In my first grade, there were sixty kids, and one nun. That doesn't seem like a recipe for much fun. <laughs> Not a lot of time for for care and attention. That's for sure. Yeah. I I want to ask you what you were like as a little kid. I was no I was noisy, and. Did you get into trouble? Oh yes, there was. We lived in this big white old farmhouse, and I decided to paint it partly blue. So I got this big blob of blue plane and painted it back and forth. And my mother came out, ah! and my father came home, and they. Gave me a long talking to, and I had to. It took days to, to get it rubbed out with turpentine. You remember stuff from your childhood so well. Have you always remembered that feeling of just doing kid things? Yeah, I. I it, it amazes me that some people don't. Mm-hmm. I I remember. I forget how old I was. Maybe ten. Standing, looking in the mirror, and saying, "I want to remember that I'm ten years old and I'm not happy. No matter what they say, I'm not happy." Do you remember what made you not happy? No, I don't know. What to remember, oh, but you remembered you were not happy. Yes. <laughs> Where are you living now, Bob? In Guelph, Ontario, in um, in retirement community. The the nice thing is this nice, quiet community. The bad thing is there's no kids. <laughs> when I came here, I didn't think about the kids very much. But now that I'm here, I miss them ter- terribly. <laughs> Nobody makes any noise. It's just been too quiet. Yes, entirely too quiet. <laughs> They're raising hell someplace. <laughs> so, oh, that's for sure. You can't stop that. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you what what you hope kids learn from from your books that ordinary people fight a lot and still get along together and and adults and kids fight a lot and still get along together that that's the subplot of my books As you think about about what comes next, I guess what what do you what do you see? Nothing good. <laughs> my 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 eyes are going, and I'm not going to be able to read pretty soon. And my thoughts are going. I, I, for the first time ever, I didn't recognize somebody next door. And. I'm going to end up in a some dementia ward someplace. 
but happily, I won't know about it. <laughs> as as we close out this conversation, is there something you'd like to say to to kids and parents? Kids love your parents, and parents love your kids. It's a complicated world, and try to make the best of it. It's like love you forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really wonderful to talk to you, and, and I want to thank you so much for being so candid and, <laughs> and generous in, uh, in all your answers. Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I wish you so much happiness. I wish you the happiness that you've given so many people. Hope it comes right back to you times 10. That would be nice. Robert Munch, the author of many, many children's books, including Love You Forever, Paper Bag Princess, Mortimer, and Mud Puddle. He published Think Big and I Can Fix It. He joined me via Zoom from his home in Guelph, Ontario. Thanks for listening to this special broadcast. Tune in next Saturday at 11 a.m. for Farm and Country on Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008 proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org WJFF Jeffersonville You're listening to Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill